Colossians chapter 3, if you find the New Testament, then get uh, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3, I'm sure most of you know, Wednesday nights we're going through a series on living by principles. Now, we have many times talked about doctrines. We have certain doctrines, truth that we believe. But on these Wednesdays now, for these last uh, number of weeks, we're looking at principles. Pastor, what exactly is a principle? It's a rule that we live by. A principle is a foundation that we always build upon. And it's a very basic philosophy. And so these things should help you and me in every decision that we make, whether it is a church decision, whether it is a spiritual decision, all of these uh, principles ought to help. Uh, the very first week, we looked at the foundation, the importance and principles. All our principles come from the Bible. We know that some are very clearly laid out in Scripture. Some are just general guidelines. And we know that uh, if you embrace those as yours, they become convictions. If they're simply something that somebody else puts on you, they're standards. And if they're just a standard, then likely when you have an opportunity not to do it, if no one's watching, if they're just a standard, you probably won't. The very first of the principles we looked at is the principle of separation. There are some people that God very clearly tells us to separate from. Why? Because everyone that you and I rub shoulders with will uh, have an effect upon our life. Uh, the second principle is always putting God first. So whether it's in your day, in your week, in your life, in, your, uh, in the finances, in your considerations, what would God want? Do that one first. And then we looked at the third principle, the principle of consecration. You can be separated, but still never have dedicated yourself wholly to God. And that's what consecration is. Say, why would I consecrate my whole life to God? Because he bought you. He paid for your salvation. And then last week, we looked at the uh, principle of Christian fellowship. It ought to be true that you prefer to be around Christians than around anyone in this world. Now, you say, preacher, I know some Christians are very carnal. So do I. But still being in the company of Christians will do you better than being in the company of the world. Pastor, which principle are we looking at today? We'll look there in Colossians chapter 3, and I'd like to read the first two verses because that's where this principle comes from. Beginning there, Colossians 3, 1, If you then be risen with Christ, so he's talking to a Christian, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Our principle tonight is the principle of heavenly affections. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for each one that's here. Lord, I know that some could not come, maybe dealing with sickness. Maybe they're traveling out of town. Wherever they are, we prayed minister to them. But Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of so many that are here. And I pray that you to help us tonight. Help us to understand this principle. And Lord, may it not just be a standard that someone puts on us, but Lord, may we embrace it. May it become a conviction Help us to understand it. Speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, look there in verse number two. Set your affections on things above. You know, it's talking about affections. 
And uh, I don't have to tell you that the biggest struggle that Christians have after we get saved is to conquer this flesh. The biggest enemy that we have is this flesh. And this flesh tries to tell us what we should do. Now, it did that before we got saved. Our flesh ran our lives before we got saved, and you would think that it would realize that it's lost the fight when we got saved. But the truth is that we still have that fight. It's still an ongoing thing. And so here, as we enter Colossians chapter number 3, Paul has just spent the previous chapter on how to put our flesh down and how to conquer the flesh. And, of course, the natural question is, how do I conquer my flesh? And the answer, again, is Colossians chapter 3. And, again, verse number 2. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. So, again, if you're writing a title, the principle of heavenly affections. And we're not going to get very far until we define just a couple of words. Look, first of all, at that word affection. Many of the new Bibles have changed it from set your affection on things above to set your passion on things above. The word affection is very different than the word passion. Let me see if I can explain that to you. Affection is an unfailing desire. Uh, If you have an affection for something or an affection for someone, Circumstances won't change it. Difficulties that come your way won't change that. Again, affection is an abiding emotion. It's an unhindered love for it. That's the word affection. On the other hand, the word passion is something that your emotions stir. I'm going to give you kind of a crude illustration, and if it's offensive, I'm sorry, but it'll help you understand When a man looks upon a woman who's provocatively dressed, she's not modest, immediately there are thoughts and emotions that he didn't have a minute ago. Those are passions. Passions can be welled up in a moment of time, and passions can pass in another moment of time. Passions are just a temporary feeling. Of course, if that man that he's noticed is not his wife, then that passion will lead to sin. On the other hand, if the man is married and he doesn't just live by passions, but instead he lives by affections. Affections is a decision to love regardless of the circumstances. So if a man is living only by passions, he is but a moment away from falling into sin. But if a man sets his affections in the marital case on his wife, then every passing woman won't jeopardize what he has. There's a difference between affections and passions. This verse does not say set your passions on things above. This verse says, set your affections on things above. And so again, we're first, if you're taking notes, we're trying to properly define some terms. And so the first term that you need to understand is this word affection. It's a decision that's based upon a commitment. 
This word affection is something that you have committed to, whether that person is near or far away, that's affection. The word affection is uh, what ought to uh, be kept ever alive between two that are married. Say, well, she's not the same as she was so many years ago. You aren't either. You've changed too. But if you have a purposed affection for each other, time won't change it. Circumstances won't change it. There'll still be that affection. That's how strong this word affection is. That word affection is a decision that you consciously make. It's not the word passion. That word passion is a moment of emotion that's either stirred by sight or sound or touch. That's just passion. That word passion is spurred by the present sight of. And that word passion is what causes us at night, uh, in a night of time, to destroy what God has tried to establish. And so the Christian life is to be one of affection to Christ. It's not a passion. Now, again, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but most of you have a position that you believe this King James Bible is perfect. Every word, every letter, you wouldn't change a thing. And if you hold to that, God bless you for it. Not everybody out there that calls themselves a Christian does. And many of them, they will change words to words that they think mean the same. Affection and passion are not the same. And for some married couples that have come face to face with disaster, it's because either that man or that woman never established by a choice to have affection for their wife, affection for their husband, and it was the passing passion that was stirred in them by the sight of another, by the look of another, by the touch of another, that messed up that marriage. And so I say to you, these words are very important. It does not say, set your passion on things above. It says, set your affection. That's a choice. The second word to define, again in verse number 2, Colossians 3, 2, set your affection on things above. We say, preacher, what exactly is the above? Well, it gives a little more information in the end of verse 2. It's the opposite of things in the earth. So we are to purposely decide that we are going to choose to put our affections on things above. And in case there's still a question, look back in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. That's our same word again, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And so from the get-go about this principle of heavenly affection, it's made very clear here that you need to make a decision that you're going to place your affection and place your love on heavenly things. That's from the very start that's what we'd establish was we'll a preacher if we're supposed to fix our affections on things above what kind of things you know, are that and there's all kinds of verses God of course is in heaven above and the throne of God is in heaven above New Jerusalem is up there and the word of God is there our mansion is there and our name is written in heaven and our eternal pleasures there and so I wonder, are your affections there? Is that what you think about? Is that what you contemplate? Is that what you consider? 
You know how there's a good way to find out what someone's affections are on? And it's the things that make their face light up. I'm sure it's true for you. I know it's true for me. If you ever tried to carry on a conversation, and it's not a conversation, it's a monologue, because they're not talking back. And, and you're raising all the questions, and you're asking all, and you know what? It gets tiring after a while. <laughs> and it's pretty obvious they don't want to talk to you. And if, if, it lasts that, if that monologue lasts, you don't want to talk to them. And if you've ever talked to somebody that really isn't participating in the conversation, they have no interest until you mention something. And I don't know what the something is for you. For, for some, you, you, you mentioned their favorite sport and their face lights up. And you don't have to do any more stoking and you don't have to throw any more wood on the fire. They will carry it from that point forward. It might be a sport. It might be a hobby. It might be a family member. It, it might be a grandchild. My wife and I have this funny ongoing dialogue at our house. Guess who's coming over tomorrow? It's never again do we say Ben or never again Leanna. It's Connor. It's the grandson. And we always say, well, we hope he brings his parents along. Do you understand when you talk to some grandparents, their faces light up? Why? That's their affection. And for some, it's their vehicle. And they spend all their time on that. And for some, it's their job. And I'm saying to you, in understanding this principle of heavenly affections, first of all, we had to define some terms. And that term affection is something you decide that you're going to put your love on. And it should be on something that's heavenly. I give you a second thing that we learn about this principle of heavenly affections. Not only is uh, we properly define some of the terms, but I give you a second thing there in Colossians 3 and verse 2. It says, set your affections on things above. Do you know that word set is a purposeful word? Your affections will not be on heavenly things. My affections will not be on heavenly things unless we purposely decide to do that. Uh, you ladies, if, if your husband has gone ahead without even mentioning it to you and invited company over for Sunday, and of course he only told you that Saturday late, late night, you know that that meal will not prepare itself. But you are going to now have to sit down, make some plans, pull out some items, and you have to purposely make that meal. Not only the meal won't prepare itself, but that table, it won't be ready by itself either. So either you or you assign it to that kind, loving husband that popped at the last minute. He has to take the plates out. He has to take the cutlery and cups out. And the word we say is he has to set the table. That's our word, set. I'm saying to you that this idea that we're going to just naturally, once we're a, a Christian, have our affection on things above, it is not natural. It is contrary to the flesh that we still live in. So if you are going to follow this principle of heavenly affections, then it won't happen by accident if you're keeping notes. Second thing is we must push our hearts God's way. We must push our hearts God's way. Say, Pastor, I, you know what, preacher, I, 
I don't like reading the Bible. Pastor, I don't like praying. Pastor, I don't even like church. Preacher, I don't like you. <laughs> Pastor, I don't like handing out tracts. Preacher, quite honestly, uh, Pastor, there's a lot of things I don't like. Well, join the crowd. If you think that everybody here except you rolls out of bed in the morning with a skip in their step, pulls open that Bible, cracks it open to the next page, and in their heart says, yippee, here we go again. It's just not like that. If you think it's easy for everybody to get pack their family in a vehicle and travel whatever distance that you travel to get to church, and everybody is just thrilled about it all the time, it's not always like that. Say, well, preacher, I wish I had a better prayer life. I just, you know what, preacher, I just have a hard time establishing a prayer life. Join the crowd. You have to purposely decide to make these things a priority in your life. Because it's a, if it's left up to your flesh, it'll never happen. If it's left up to your flesh, you won't pray before you eat. You say, I would. Then if somebody asks you a minute after you start eating, what exactly did you pray? You probably forgot it. It's just a routine. I'm saying to you the second thing, if you're uh, taking notes again, we must push our hearts God's way. And so sometimes we think that our affections are mysterious. Sometimes we think our affections are not something that we have any control over. And so I've actually had people say, oh, preacher, I don't feel like reading my Bible, so I'm not going to read it till I feel like it. <laughs> Pastor, I don't feel like praying, and so I'm not going to pray until I feel like it. Folks, if reading our Bible and praying depended on each of us feeling like it, we wouldn't get the Bible reading done. And we wouldn't pray seven days a week. You have to get out of bed just like I have to get out of bed, and you have to decide, I am going to do this because it's a heavenly thing. I'm going to spend time on my face before God because it's a heavenly thing. I am not going to let this flesh tell me what not to do when God tells me what I ought to do. We're talking about the principle of heavenly affections. You have to decide ahead of time what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And Paul said that you need to set your affections on things above. You have to set them there. They're not going to naturally be there. If when you came into the auditorium tonight, you saw this vase here, <laughs> most of you would have said, okay. But you all would have said somebody put it there. Somebody set it there. You probably have said, I don't know who did it. I certainly don't know why they did it. But it's not there without somebody purposely putting it there. And folks, if we're going to set our affections on things above, 
It's not going to naturally happen. Preacher, I'm just not naturally spiritual. Well, we could all say that. This old flesh is just wicked to the core. But if you're going to be spiritual, if you're going to live a spiritual life that pleases God, you have to make a conscious decision in everything that you do. No, I can't do that because it wouldn't please God. Yes, I have to do that and I have to do it first because no, I cannot be a part of that. All of that is heavenly affection. All of that we have seen. You know that uh, when it comes to heavenly affections, we dare not wait until our feelings to God just happen. Instead, we must make a conscious choice. And we have to create those feelings. I, how long has it been since you saw a single young man notice a single young lady for the first time? And it's like he takes a second look. and Well, now that's passion because he's just seen her, didn't know what happened five minutes ago. At that moment, he's still running on passion. But you know, the more he thinks about her, he wants to think about her. And he decides he's going to buy her a card, decides they're going to write her a note, and decides he's going to buy her flowers, and he's deciding purposely to do these things. And I'm saying to you that Paul says, our affections ought to be on the things above, but it's not going to happen by accident. You have to purposely do that. If I could illustrate it kind of with a corny illustration, some people think that affections are kind of like a caboose. I don't think trains have cabooses anymore. They used to, but a caboose is the very last car. The engine's the first car. You have all the train cars, and then the caboose is the back car. It used to be on long trips that sometimes they'd sleep back there. Some people think that affections just follow mysteriously after. Folks, affections are not the caboose. The affections are the engine. And if you put your affections where they belong, God will bless you with the rest of that. Again, we have first of all seen here that uh, we have to properly define some terms. We did affections. We did above. Then secondly, we must push our hearts God's way. Do you know, if you notice that young man, whoever the young man is, you'd notice that he has his affections on her two ways by the time that he spends with her and by the treasures that he invests in her. And you know, we can tell, and others can tell, whether your affections are on things above by the time that you spend in those things above and by the treasures that you invest. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be your heart will follow where you put your treasures you know the reason that some of you day and night talk about hunting or talk about fishing or talk about fast cars is because you've invested a lot of money in those things and your heart follow it do you know why i have no interest in fishing i've not invested a nickel in it do you know i have no interest in hunting i've not invested a nickel in it you know, I have no interest in fast cars. I've not invested in that. And so again, we have seen, secondly, 
that uh, we must push our hearts God's way. I'll give you a third thing. Look there in Colossians 3 and verse 2. Colossians 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. Now, this is going to be fairly basic, but you can't put your affections in both. Your affections are either in heavenly things or your affections are in earthly things. You can choose to put your affections in the things of God or you can choose to put your affections in the things of the world. You can't put your affections in both. One of the two will win. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. He said you serve one, you can't serve the other. You serve the other, you can't serve one. So I say third, if you're taking notes, not only we must push our hearts God's way, that was the second point, but we will pull away from the things of the world. So if you decide I'm going to put my affections on the things above, then with that same decision, you will be pulling away from the things of this world. Because you can't have both. And that's why he said in Colossians 3, 2, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, when we talk about things of the earth, I know that you know. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you're either going to have a love in your heart for the Father, or you're having a love in your heart for the world. You can't have both. And that's exactly what he's saying here. If you set your affections on the things above, then you're not going to set your affections on the things of this earth. And you know, God's not against... When we say, love not the world, God's not against your family and he's not against your home and God's not against nature and God has given us all those things to enjoy. But when those earthly things become more important than heavenly things, then something's wrong. And so we say third here that we will pull away from the things of this world. Do you know, if we place an importance on the things of God, the things of the world will kind of take a back seat. And you say, well, preacher, I've been watching my brother, my sister, my dad, my mom, my son, my daughter, and God's kind of taken a back seat. If that's true, then they chose to put their affections on the things of the world when they did, their affections ceased to be on the things of heaven. It's one or the other. And uh, I'm saying we must pull away th- from the things of this world because there's not room for both. I give you the fourth thing. I'm done with this tonight. But there in Colossians 3 and verse 4. Colossians 3 and verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, very last thing, if you're writing anything down, if you have this principle of heavenly affections in your life, last thing, we will enjoy the product of that choice. You know, the person that does verse 1 and the person that does verse 2 and the person that does verse 3 Christ becomes their whole life. And sometimes the world will make an offer 
and the world won't always make sinful offers. Sometimes the offers of this world are just things that are going to take your affection away from God. And so Paul said, listen, if, if, if you set your affections on things above, Paul says there in verse number one, if you then be risen with Christ, if you seek those things which are above, where Christ hitteth on the right hand, if you do that, then Christ will become your whole life. And the longer that you're saved, it ought to be true that you're drawing closer to God. And if you're losing, if you're losing ground, and if you'd say, preacher, quite honestly, I was closer to God five years ago than I am today, it all started with an affection decision. And somewhere instead of putting your affection there, you put your affection there. And he just kept saying, there is one day going to be a product or a fruit that comes with that decision. Some of you have been saved recently. Others here have been saved 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Praise be to God, but the credit has to be given to the fact that you are continuing to make choices of putting your affection on heavenly things. You know, the folks that don't make it, I'm not saying you lose your salvation, you can't do that. But the folks that are here today and gone tomorrow, something became more important in their life than God. And so when in verse 4 says, when Christ who is our life, Christ no longer is your life. And quite honestly, he says, instead of keeping your eyes on this world, you just need to keep your eyes on heaven. Read a couple of humorous things, and I'll end with a more serious one. But you know, uh, there was a man who lived in Pensacola, Florida. And one day he went golfing, and he found a lost golf ball. I, I, I think that many of us that have gone golfing, the golfing itself was so frustrating that we shifted the sport to collecting golf balls. I mean, you can, there's a few there, a few honest folks. This guy found 143 golf balls in one day. And, you know, because of that, he decided that that's what he was going to do. In the next 10 years, he found 31,800 golf balls. <laughs> you see, Pastor, what's the moral of the story? To do it, he had to keep his eyes down. And look at all he missed. He missed the sunshine, he missed the stars, he missed the clouds, he missed the birds, he missed the music, he missed the trees, he missed the budding, he missed all of that. And folks, as a Christian, if you're just looking for this world to satisfy, you're going to miss an awful lot. Another story, I don't think this one is in Florida. But one day a young man was walking down the street and he found a $5 bill on the ground. And so he decided he was going to spend the next 30 years of his life. And surely if he just kept his eyes on the ground, surely he'd find more. He'd be a rich man if he just kept his eyes down. Do you know in the next 30 years, what he found was 29,000 buttons and 50,000 cigarette butts. 
and 4,000 pins, found $89 in change, $120 in bills, found 35 pocket combs, 20 empty wallets, 12 pencils, 8 pens, and this uh, report said 600 unmentionables, so they can't tell you what that is. He said, Pastor, what do you think of that? What a waste. What did he lose? He lost sight of the sky, he lost sight of the sun, the stars, the moon, the birds, the flowers, the trees. And all those things are kind of corny. And all those illustrations are kind of foolish. But this world wants you to keep focused on this world. And if you do, you are going to miss all that God has up there for you. And Paul said, if you keep your affections up there, don't be able to put them on this world. You're going to miss some of the things of this world. But Christ will become your life. I know that you have heard the name John Bunyan. I know that's the man that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Well, John Bunyan wrote a number of stories, and one of his stories was about a man with a muck rake. So a rake that he raked muck, mud. And the man didn't seek to possess the crown. Well, he was apparently in this story, I haven't read it. But this man was so excited with his rake to rake muck. Whatever would be exciting about that. And because he kept his head down raking that muck, what he didn't see was there was a crown. And there was some angelic being that was offering this crown to this muckraker. But he never saw it. Because he kept his head down and was raking this muck. And now I'm curious to read the rest of the story, but that's all the part of the story that I got. He missed something that was far more valuable and far more heavenly because he got sidetracked with something that was so earthly and so worthless. Where's your affections? I'm not asking where is your passion. Where's your affection? supposed to be unheavenly things, but it won't happen by accident. You say, preacher, I, I quite honestly, I don't read my Bible any, every day anymore. Why don't you set your affection on doing that? So I tried it this morning. I didn't get anything out of it. Then do it again tomorrow. And do it again the next day. Make yourself do the things that please God. And you watch, you keep doing that even though you don't want to do it. Number one, God will change your heart. And two, it'll help to pull you away from whatever you think is more important than reading the Bible. And third, you'll get a reward in glory. It's a principle of heavenly affections. Let's pray. Father, pray to help us. Where we place our love and where we place our affections, it's not something that's out of our control, it's something that's in our control. And Lord, Paul, when he wrote Colossians 3, said we were to set our affections on things above. And Lord, we know God is above, and heaven is above, and the word of God is above, and angels are above, and rewards are above. And that's where we're to set our affections. And again, we have to decide to do that. It's not natural. When we decide to do it, the things of this world will lose their glitter. 
Our whole life will be consumed with Christ and pleasing Him. And so, Lord, when we're offered something this week by somebody, anybody, would you help us to remember, is this going to draw me closer to God? Is this going to help me to love God more? Or is this going to draw me closer to this world? Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.